God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Well, welcome back to yet another zany, kooky, wacky episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. Sometimes we're okay, sometimes we're not okay. And uh, that's sort of the two main columns that we exist under here in this in this podcast land. Speaking about I'm okay, you're okay. Have you watched the new Bo Burnham special? I've heard what? it's great. He's he's truly a genius, he, dude. He, yeah, he truly is a genius. You will love this new special. It's almost like made for you. Well, I someone actually a listener of ours named Anna was like, "Hey, you would love this guy." This is a couple years ago, and. I was checking him out and there was just something about it at first that like was too much. It, it's a lot, it, you know, it's like, it's music, it's satire. It's kind of just normal comedy. He's a great singer and musician. He's good looking. There's so many things about it where I'm like, I don't like him. And he's like younger than me and all this. And then he did that um, eighth grade movie. Yeah. It, that's how I got in. So I, that was the first thing I watched. And then I went back and watched the specials. And when you do it in that order, that's the way to do it. Because it is a map. Well, let me tell you what really cracked the door open for me recently is he's in a movie, a horror movie called Promising Young Woman. Have you seen this movie? Not yet. It's it's really good. It's like really a unique take on on horror I films. I want to watch it. So don't, no spoilers. Okay. No, so no spoilers, but he's in it and it's not funny. He's, I mean, he's funny in it. He, he plays a boyfriend, but he's a great actor. Oh yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a horror movie and, um, he is really great in it. And then I start, started just looking up some of his TikToks and shit. <laughs> he has this one new one. It's called, go, I think it's called staying inside. And he's like, you know, it, you should just feel free to go outside. And, you know, and as soon as he walks outside, someone goes, Hey faggot. And he's like, or just stay inside. <laughs> <laughs> And he just lands it like his facial expressions are so funny, dude. That's all in his new special. <laughs> oh, okay. That's his new special. Got it. Yeah. His new special is called Inside. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And uh, dude, if you listen to his Terry Gross interview when he was like, I don't know, 25, 26 years old, 27, I think he wrote and directed Eighth Grade when he was 25. So probably he was doing press for it when he was 27. The amount of self-awareness that th- that guy has and why that why he wrote what he did why he does what he does i'm like how does anybody at any point in their life have this much self-awareness the only time i've ever witnessed it with anyone else is david burns how music works book yeah i read that too i mean the guy is just a fucking genius anyways this new thing is it's so good and uh i'm gonna watch it with isbel and then maybe we can talk about it next week because it's it's definitely on my list it's heavy it's funny and it's uh it's funny until it's not funny and when it stops being funny you really want it to be funny again yeah that he gets kind of serious uh just watch it we'll talk about it. well check out promising young woman it was really good this other film that really stuck with me it's on netflix it's called the platform it's a spanish film so in the platform it's a dystopian future this dude wakes up and he's in a cell with this other guy and there's a big hole in the cell what you slowly come to find out is that square hole, once a day, a big plate of food comes down. Oh, you know? you've told. Yeah, we've talked about this. On it really podcast. stuck with me, man. It really did. And uh, there's another great horror movie called St. Maud that I really, really enjoy. I think that's on Amazon Prime. And I think that's might be it. I'm kind of deep in NBA playoff basketball world. So I'm watching games, multiple games every night. 
and then also inside the NBA, which is my favorite show of all time. So <sighs> once that dies down, I might dip back into films again. Well, my apologies to our listeners about the NBA talk. Um, <laughs> I did watch, speaking of horror movies, I never watch horror movies. And I watched one last night called Dr. Sleep, which is the yeah, I saw it. sequel to The Shining. Yeah, I saw it. And it wasn't horrible. It was pretty bad in spots, like pretty bad in spots. It could have been really good. There were some real bad actors. The the ch- the chick that played the Doctor Sleep, not Doctor Sleep, but the you know the chick yeah. that was ahead of the yeah the guys. I thought she was so hot. Was really good looking. Yeah, she was so hot, but so not right for that. Put Tilda Swinton in there, and that movie's immediately. Oh, Tilda better. Swinton is great at that. Also, the young girl, as cute as she was, also not right for that role as well. Like, uh, Ewan McGregor was okay. Not great either. I have a and weird thing with him. I have like yeah. a I have a thing with Liam Neeson too, where I just they're good actors, but I don't like them for some reason. It's so weird. I wish I didn't feel that way, but I don't like I didn't like him either. I had the same fe- feelings as you. I'm a big Stephen King fan. I have not read Doctor Sleep. I haven't read yeah. a new Stephen King thing in a while. I was I was thinking like I was I bet you this is a pretty good book. Pr- well, probably it's pretty. The story is pretty good. Well, I remember the same thing as you. I, I was kind of like ah, not bad. Some scary moments, but now like a year later. I can't remember anything. It was like a very forgettable film. Well, here's the thing that also I realized as soon as I was done watching it, I just told myself, don't watch movies like that. That All that shit just gets in my head and it's just, it doesn't do me any good. None of that. It's like, it's like, I don't know, man. Like it, it just goos up my mind with weird kind of scary, weird shit that I don't need in my head. I already have a plenty of scary weird shit in my head. But you know what's interesting to me about that is my wife likes really sad movies like like real like my wife liked Blue Valentine and Rabbit Hole. Do any of those movies ring a bell to you? She liked the movie I watched Blue Valentine. I'm not going to watch Rabbit Hole. I had a kid when I watched when that came out. She she liked the movie Closer, okay? So she likes those movies. I like movies like The Platform and whatever, any horror movie. And it's almost the opposite for me. It's like when I watched like Blue Valentine, which is just a bit basically about a marriage falling apart or Rabbit Hole, which is about a marriage falling apart because their kid dies or Closer, which is about two relationships and four people whose lives are falling apart. Those are horror movies to me. Those get in my head and fuck me up. Whereas Dr. Sleep has scary shit in it, but it's almost like I go to another world. It's fantasy. It's ridiculous. And then it's for me, it's like an escape from shit. Yeah. I mean, I like, I mean, I'll watch, uh, What's that new uh, Dead Army of the Dead or whatever? Yeah, just, that looks okay. I watched that. Dude, you know what looks pretty good is the new Edgar Wright film, which is a horror film. What is it? It's called, um, oh man, I, I can't think of what it's called, but it, it it's Edgar Wright who did like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. He makes, he's a huge, huge cinephile. I love that guy. He's so great and so deep. Like he has such a crazy vocabulary in his films. Like a lot of his films have these homages. I loved Hot Fuzz. I think I've liked every movie he's made. So Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. What's the, it's like called the Cornetto trilogy. I can't think of what the third one is. But anyway, he's got a new horror movie coming out with the chick from The Witch that looks there was really one, like, good. Isle of Man or something, or the end of the world or something. Oh, like yeah. That. The, uh, the, uh, that that was about going on a pub crawl. That was pretty good, too. Yeah, I'm the, probably the worst of the three, but still good. So you remember that, you know, the chick from uh, Queen's Gambit? 
Yeah. She's in this new, and it looks gritty, dude. It looks like, it's not jokey Shaun of the Dead shit. It's not like Simon Pegg being goofy. It's a full-on, full-on dramatic horror film that looks really good. I still want to see that Bob Odenkirk film, too. Um, maybe we need oh, to pivot away from film talk. Fucker, dude. He did Baby Driver? Oh, yeah. He did Baby Driver. That was really good. He did Scott Pilgrim! Holy shit, dude. I didn't realize he did all those. Yeah, he's a great director. Oh my god. I don't remember much about Scott Pilgrim, but Baby Driver was incredible. Dude, Scott Pilgrim, they just re-put it out again for some reason. Scott Pilgrim is a great, great movie. Maybe I need to revisit that too. Holy shit, dude. He did that Sparks Brothers documentary. I'll probably watch it just because he did it. Oh, he did Space. Did you ever watch Space, the TV series? No. Fantastic. It's all the guys from Shaun of the Dead uh, are in it. And it's, uh, you think it's one thing and then something else. I think you would really like it. It's, okay. uh, it's these people that live in this like, uh, apartment building, but then it turns into like a horror thing. It's really good. So a few things to, that I recommend about Edgar Wright is go watch. So Criterion collection, which is like a cinephile, they, they, they redistribute, um, <clears throat> classic films. Anyway, it's kind of like for cinephiles, but occasionally they do the series on YouTube where they'll let famous directors or actors come into their pick out movies and talk about their favorite movies. His is great. Cause he's so deep, but he asked Martin Scorsese to recommend some films for him. People don't know this about Scorsese either. Scorsese is an insane film, like an encyclopedia of film. Right. Which I guess you might guess that about Scorsese. But anyway, Edgar Wright, I think, just wrote him a letter. It was like, hey, I'd, I'd love some film recommendations for blah, blah, blah. And they ended up having this correspondence, and you can read it. And it's like, and Scorsese even asked Edgar Wright for some film recommendations. And dude, I mean, no, none of the films they name hardly I know, have ever even heard of. And we're talking like 50 films each. But it's just fun to watch two guys who love something take deep dives together. There's a lot of like mutual admiration from both sides. And I'm like, dude, if Scorsese feels this way about Edgar Wright, he must be doing something good for sure. Can you imagine? I mean, it's like Bob Dylan saying he likes your, it's like Bob Dylan saying he likes your shit. Well, of course, I mean, dude, fucking Edgar Wright is, he's not put out a bad film, dude. He is Scorsese. He's, he's, he's Scorsese 40 years after Scorsese. I mean, his films are incredible. Well, Scorsese put out some not great films. Well, I mean, Edgar Wright might put out right, some not right. films in the next 30 years. It was really know. the 90s when Scorsese started getting kind of dicey. Well, it's it's kind of when he started working with DiCaprio. I don't know, man. The Departed's pretty fucking good. The Departed's You're okay. talking about Shutter Island and Aviator. Aviator, Shutter Island, those were both not very Wolf good. Wolf of Wall Street's I mean, great. Bring Out the Dead was pretty bad. Yeah, pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Uh, Gangs of New York was horrible, except for the parts where uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was on screen. Anyways... Let's talk about things we love. Friends. Did you watch the Friends reunion? Okay, just- let's talk about that. I sure did. I sure Jesus. did. All right. All right. First of all, <sighs> don't get plastic surgery. If you're listening to this, don't get plastic I surgery. I know, dude. I know. But let's talk about, was Chandler like on drugs? Did he like fall off the wagon? What was the deal there? The, the, the you know, the word is that he had had a dental surgery and was still a little messed up from down but who knows all right well that makes sense because his face was kind of puffy and he just wasn't saying much but he's also has a obviously public and and troubled history with drug abuse and that just takes a toll even if you're clean i mean you you know you whatever the version of wet brain is for people who are addicted to pills but he seems scary 
and I hate to say, I hate to frame it like this, but it's just true. He's seen, because here, here, here's how this is juxtaposed for me. Me and well watch it. I mean, most of America watch it. Friends, we redid Friends recently. It's a masterpiece of chemistry. It's truly one of the greatest. One of the greatest ever. One of the greatest sitcoms of all time. It is so, their mass, everybody on that show is a master. Like the physical comedy, their chemistry. The timing, all of it. So, okay. So everyone wanted to see that. I mean, we made a whole thing of it. Like I was, I, you know what I thought it was? I thought it was like a movie. I thought it would, I thought it, I didn't know it was a documentary or like yeah. a reunion. I thought it was like, oh, they're going to film something. So anyway, I was a little disappointed, but yeah, you start seeing them and you're like, oh boy. And so the two juxtapositions with, and we won't focus too much on what they look like. Cause that's kind of shallow, but however, they did look a certain way and we should talk about it. Well, that's all you're thinking about for about the first yeah. 15 minutes. But hey, that's with everybody that you haven't seen in a while. You know, when you haven't seen somebody in a couple of years and then you see them and you're like, oh, yeah. shit. Well, so here are the two things that happened. Number one, a couple of the cast members are very plastic surgeryed out and it's monstrous looking. It's like truly horrific to me. And then there's a couple that have had work done, but they don't look like monsters. Schwimmer's had some work done. He doesn't look like a monster. But then you got Matt LeBlanc, who played Joey, who just got very he fat. Right. He's not very fat. He's just he's just his age. He looks right. He looks right for his age. But then he was easily, to me, Matt LeBlanc, once he kind of get over the shock of that, he was easily the most fun to fun to watch. He was yeah. having the most fun. Right. And he seemed to have a very grounded grasp of what that all meant. Jennifer Anderson and Courtney Cox were like scary to me, man. They were they were super scary. And Phoebe She's kind of uh, normal too. She, she's I thought, no, and no plastic surgery. Yeah. She looks great. Yeah, she, I thought I agree. And she's just kind of who she is, she, how, who she's always been. Courtney Cox. Every time they put the camera on her, I'm like, am I watching a horror film? Well, and they're all and, they're, and, and Nicole <laughs> and uh, Jennifer <laughs> Aniston. I'm like, is this Leprechaun Seven? You know what's because funny that you say that? I'm scared. You know what's funny that you say that? Her first movie was Leprechaun. <laughs> well, I know. That's okay. why I said. Okay. Um, well, they were even like crying a lot because it's was, it was obviously emotional. I mean, I cried, you know, it's like it was an emotional thing. Obviously, they were going for that, but they're so plastic surgery out. They can like hardly move their face and they were just like dabbing the corner. Like they just couldn't even cry. It was just like, dude, it, it was wild, it, it man. Me, so I had started watching it and it just made me immediately want to go back to watching it. And, and I watched like 13 more episodes. So now I'm like just finishing, uh, Dude, it's crazy how many episodes a season they had. They had like 30 episodes per season. Uh, so I'm, I just finished season one, so now I'm season two. We redid it, and it's as good as it ever was. Yes, yeah, some of the fashion is dated. I mean, it's, it dates itself a little love, bit. but dude, I love all the fashion. I love all the... And they have all these guest stars that are incredible. Oh, man, Brad Pitt. and I You mean, know my ex-wife's husband was on that show for five episodes. And he was great in it. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, we recently rewatched The OC, and he was one of the main characters in The OC, and we've had a good Is time. Is that good? I've never seen The OC. First two, first two seasons, great. Last two, it's four seasons long. Last two, really, really bad. So, it's worth it for the first two seasons. But Tate, Tate's all in it, and he's really good in it. We had a good time watching it. Um, and Paul Rudd, he's. I was, I was disappointed. Paul, Paul Rudd wasn't in the reunion. No, no, no. I'm talking. I'm, I went back to Friends. Oh, right, right. Paul Rudd's kind of who Phoebe ends up with, and uh, we don't really see him again. I thought some of the like, um, some of the little games and shit, I did not like. Like, what was Justin Bieber doing there? Oh, he looks great, dude. I I, I know exactly what he looks like because I'm a huge Justin Bieber fan, and I keep up with him, so I knew exactly what he looked like, and I thought he killed it when he was on the show. But all of the stuff they did, the song, this the 
cat song was uh, with Lady Gaga was a cringe, cringe. I know. Everything was cringe that they did. The fucking Pictionary thing was cringy. I know. How cringy. I wish they just would have just left it. And then like having them talk in front of an audience. Like I just wish they would have just been more like a round table. Oh yeah. How about the men acting scripts? That was horrible. The readings. I know. We hated that. God damn it. There was so much to hate. And I think they didn't, I really don't think they tapped into the power of why we all love the show. I think it was like, I think I hate James Corden. I think he did an okay job, but I don't like him. No, don't have, just do clips and talk about the clips. Yeah, exactly. Talk about what it was like to be there. uh, When you first met your favorite moments, filming the show. Don't do any of the other shit. I know. It was a missed opportunity, but you know, at one point Courtney Cox even says something. She's like, this is probably the last time we'll all be together talking about this. It was very sad. It was very, and here's, here's what else happens, right? Watching that at home, like all of us who are whatever age we, this 20 years later, 17 to 20 years later for all of us, we're all thinking about how we're older we're, and we're doing it through the prism of like, Ooh, they're older, but it really, what it was is a big mirror for us. And those were just like our, I mean, they were like our friends. We, everyone knew those six people. We knew their, all of their idiosyncrasies, at least as how they're played out on the show. And watching that reunion was like, it was hard for people, I think, because it was forcing everyone to deal with aging, with mortality, all that at the bottom of all that is death. What's crazy is that all those guys are a little younger than me or my age. And I mean, I'm in my late thirties. So, uh, when I say late, I mean, the casket is, uh, they buried, they, it's the funeral's done. When I say late, I mean, the dishes are already in the cupboard. They've been washed, dried, put in the cupboard. What was I saying? <laughs> you were then saying was, they're all your age. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. When I was that age that they are in friends, I was out partying, dude. I wasn't watching fucking friends. I was getting shit done in the streets, boy. Dude, I was in the streets getting shit done. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the difference. I was a kid. Yeah, you were a little kid. And when you say you were getting things done, you were had a crayon in your hand and you were drawing a dragon. <laughs> I was in high Meanwhile, school. Daddy, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a baby. I was in dude, high school. You were a little baby. Or you were in high school still using crayons. Either way, there was a crayon involved when Friends was around. It was in my hiney. Yikes. That was my ritual. Put a crayon in my hiney, watch the new episode of Friends. All right, hold on. This is the saddest zip. Zip. (laughs) (laughs) The saddest zip. Zip. Maybe it's just quick. So I want to talk. So are you a a fan of Master of None? No. Well, the third season just came out and it's fucking great. Aziz Asari, also another fucking genius on the earth has turned into this great director the new season's not funny at all it's just it's basically like atlanta it's it's just a a great beautiful it's almost like woody allen it's basically woody allen yeah that's what i thought about the second season the second season was very like european and black and white and clearly like a woody allen homage which i love woody allen i know that that's a polarizing Let's just stick to the films. I love Woody Allen's films. They're just some of the most magical films ever for me. So when I saw that the second season was kind of like a Woody Allen, Ingmar Bergman thing, I was like, ah, I'm good. And I didn't really love season one, although we watched it and we laughed at it. 
And uh, yeah, he's obviously charming and talented. I like his stand up and I love him on Parks and Rec, but Master of None, I'm good. I'm good on that. Well, the new season's great. He's not in it hardly at all. He's just directing it. He's and writing it, writing and directing it. And it's just beautifully directed, beautifully shot. Man, you know what show was really good is Louie. That was a great show. Are you talking about Louis C.K.? Yeah, just the show Louis on effects. Yeah, that, that he, oh, it was wonderful. That he wonderful. wrote and he wrote all that and directed it. Also very Woody Allen, European, and, and definitely influenced by Woody Allen. Great. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a great writer. I love, I love Louis C.K. I wonder if he's going to, I wonder what he's going to do. He's just going to start doing more stand-up. But I wonder the, if he's going to make any more films or shows. I mean, I liked that stuff a lot. Well, he made that show. Did you watch his the sitcom that he yeah, wrote? Yeah, Horace and Pete. I wasn't crazy about it, we, but I didn't watch all of it. We either. really liked it, but it's really strange flavor. Like it's really strange. And that's definitely some sort of homage to like, I don't know, like fifties or sixties sitcoms, like British. It, it's just those, it was Steve Buscemi and they're in this bar, really weird canned laughter. No, I watched a couple episodes. I yeah. Just, not super funny. It was like really more of like rumination on those kinds of relationships. The relationships were really strained and strange. I don't think it was very <laughs> successful. Um, but the show Louie I thought was great I love that show I'm still reeling from finding out that Edgar Wright fucking did Scott Pilgrim and Baby Driver he's got a bright future man he's gonna make a lot of great films it's fun to think about directors that are like kind of in a prime like I think also about that Denis Villeneuve guy that did Sicario and he, he broke out with like he did Arrival he does big movies now he, he did um the Blade Runner redo He's going to make some great movies. Uh, well, he's he has said that he thinks Dune is his best movie. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. Dune's... A, I forgot he did Dune. I haven't even seen David Lynch's version of Dune. It's supposedly pretty rough. Here's what I know about everybody who's ever told me that the thing they just did is their best thing. It's never their best thing. I believe they think it is, but you know how that goes. You always think that what you're cranking out now is the best, you know? Well... What about, have you written any, have you written any songs that you really like in the past few months? Well, I keep telling everybody that my new record is the best record I've done as a, as a collection of songs. And I, I believe that to be true. But at the same time, every time I say it, I'm like, well, by my own and, you know, by what I've seen, usually when you say that it's not true. So I don't know. It's true to you though. I mean, it's what you believe about the work you do. And in some ways you're an authority on the work you do. And in some ways you you're too close to it that you don't really know what you can't really judge that that's for your fans to figure out through the years. And the, and that's not even something you can know immediately. That's something that is revealed through time. No, I know. I know what my best stuff is. People don't necessarily know what my best stuff is because it's like a car. Like if you make cars, you know what your best car is that you make. Yeah. Now, you may have some cars that look really cool, like a Maserati or something, or like on the outside, they look really cool, and people are like, oh, that's my favorite car. But you're like, yeah, but I know the inside of that car, and it's not as good as this other car that might not be as snazzy looking, but yeah. it's this other car is definitely a better car. And then eventually, if they drive the cars, if they drive all the cars, eventually they'll be like, you know, you're right. This one that I thought was real flashy, it's not as good as this other car. Yeah. Well, I put out my first album ever at age 37 this year called Vampire. And it's basically, I had 15 years of songwriting to choose from. And so I chose 13. And a lot of them were songs I wrote last year. And, uh, you know, I had people who know some of my little songies and they're like, oh, 
maybe this should have gone on and that should have gone on. And it's like, man, I had a pretty good idea about what I felt like what I wanted to do. And yeah. So in that sense, it's right. like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's always song. I don't know. It's ultimately what you want from your artists that you love is for them to get the thing that they hear in their head on the tape. I want my filmmakers to do it. I want my artists to do it. I want you to do it. I don't want you putting some shit on tape that is external, external pressure in any way, whether it's time, money, the opinions of fans, the opinions of peers. What I really want is for Neil Young to make the record he hears in his head. Will I like that record? Well, when it comes to Neil, chances last 20 years, probably not. But I still want him to make the record that he hears in his head. Because that's why I love him. It's weird. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like, what makes a good, what makes a good song? Because I, there's so much content. There's so many songs that have been written. We're in the song game. We're, we've got two song groups going. You, you're in three, maybe. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I hear all these songs, and and they're all good. They're all fine. They're all good. They're mm-hmm. all fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. But what makes, like, what, like, you know, when you hear a song that's like f- fantastic, of course, like it's, it's sort of like you hear a song, uh, like that fucking runaway song by Kanye. Okay. Here's a song about the douchebags. Like you hear that and you're like, okay, this is a fucking, this is a straight up hit. Always will be. Or since I'm going to use Kanye as an example, I'll use Pearl Jam as an example. That fucking, their big hit. Uh, what's what Jeremy? That? Yeah. Or, or Alive? Oh, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy. Like when you hear that, you're like, okay, that's a fucking hit. That's a straight up hit. So there's that. But then there's all the other stuff where you're like, is that, it's good, but what makes it great? That's the part that I'm like, I don't know. I like, even watching that Bo Burnham special, like some of those songs were so good, but then some were like, is that good or? Yeah. And that's where time comes in. That's where it's where, you know, it's like we listen to Tiny Dancer and if you listen to Tiny Dancer and you're like, I don't know about that. I don't even know what to say to you, but we've, I've also been hearing Tiny Dancer my whole life. And so for me, it's this time. It's like, uh, I don't know. I feel like when new stuff's coming out, you react to it and you're like, is it good? Will time, is it of a moment? Like when, when Teenage Dream came out, Katy Perry's like big record had like 10 number ones on it. I really liked it. Like I just really thought that Firework was good. I thought Teenage Dream was good. I thought fucking, uh, I'm wide awake. I thought that was good. I thought the one that got, I thought it was all good. I liked it. Now when I hear it, I'm like, this shit's just really not great. It was just great for a time. That's the difference too. Some some stuff's just really great in its moment. It's built for its moment, but it can't really transcend that. And Bo Burnham might be like that. I mean, I when it's all wrapped up in like really self-aware irony and satire, it's hard for that to transcend because it's just so cultural. It's such a, of a cultural moment. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's hard to entangle all that because there's exceptions to everything we're saying. I mean, a lot of Prince shit, other than Prince's like great 30 songs, a lot of his, he made a lot of albums, dude, that no one cares about. He made a lot of songs. I mean, I, I kept buying record after record. Me too. They were just so bad. Or just a little too much, a little too inside. He didn't really have a great editing process. 
And it's because he believed everything he did was great. And it's that belief about himself that kind of did make him great. Man, I've been listening on Spotify. I came across this thing on my Discover Weekly. It was like some African guy. Uh, I can't even pronounce his name or I don't even know what it is. Like, whatever. Nelson Mandela. (laughs) It wasn't that. It was, uh, I remember that. Uh, (laughs) But it was something like that. And then I was like, oh, I like it. And it's like 70s electro it's sort of like lo-fi electronic african accent singing in english groovy funky like king tubby or something but electro um no that's dub this is like it's like more fun anyways i was like oh i like this and so i just put it on the radio and i've been listening to that and like all the songs are not good but they're charming they have this charm about them and so i've just been listening to it uh for a couple days and just enjoying it like it's just fun to listen to because it's you know like the one song my favorite song is the one that got me there which was like you are the sun and the moon you are the sun you are the moon (laughs) and like the guy's kind of singing off key because nothing was you know nothing was auto-tuned or fixed back in the 70s and the music like ding 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 you know like had some shitty keyboard and some you know analog shitty studio that they recorded in and but it's just fun like it has a vibe to it and it's just like you could tell they were just having fun when they recorded this shit and a lot of it's like that well i think a lot of your best songs are like that too though and i think that's why so many people like it like but the thing that you've done really well is under that fun layer you've really loaded up your shit. Like I'm thinking about like big blue sea, for example, people hear that and they may not know what it's about the first 50 times they hear it. Cause it's just, it just makes you feel good. And I, and I don't really respond to me. I'm honing in immediately on all the elements of the song because that's what I've given my life to it. But most people aren't like that. Most people just want music to make them feel good. So it's like big blue sea or honey pot. They just make you feel good. 40 dogs. You, you just, you're responding just kind of viscerally to how it makes you feel. That's what my wife's like. But if you peel back that layer, you've got some good sauce under there too. The thing that I like doing is I like being subversive in the open. Like a lot of people are like, uh, not in the open. I, what I like to do, like, like you're right. Like Big Blue Sea is a song that sounds like a happy song about, it's kind of like a love song. Like, oh, at the bottom of the Big Blue Sea, just you and me. It sounds like a love song. But really what that song is about, it's about being in a real relationship and then the relationship not going well mm-hmm. like it's 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 during cra- like i wrote that song after a huge argument that i had with my ex-wife and uh and i was in a bad place when i wrote it now it doesn't sound like that when you listen to it but that's what that's the song's about being in love and having a hard time mm-hmm. in relationship but so I love that. I mean, I, and I love like songs that are really sad, but then you put a joke in the middle of it or it's a joke and then it gets real sad. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait a minute. I thought this was a joke song. Why am I crying? Like I have that song. Don't give up that sweet booty. Yeah. yeah. There's some fast talking cutie. And it starts off like everybody's laughing, having a good time. But then it gets to the point where it's like, you could live a hundred years and you'll never find anybody who knows you better than I do, who can see right through you and love everything that they see. Like it gets so poignant and real. Yeah. And then immediately switches right back into like jokes. Yeah. The song King Kong does that too. 
Right. And Piggyback song. does that too, with taking a pee and shit. I guess when I find that in a song, I'm like, oh yeah, I love this. Kind of like that Billie Eilish song, I'm a bad guy, uh, the bad guy or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, duh. duh. I know, and it's so good. And she put that duh in there, I'm like, ah! I know. So good. I know, dude. She's so fucking killer. Listen, we gotta go. This was a fun... It's always good when the time gets away from us, because it means we're having a good time and we're on to some good shit, so... If you Thinking like, about fucking time, dude? If you like, Fuck time. If you like the show, leave us a positive review. Write in bobandclint at gmail.com. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the letters I-O-K. You know what to do. Support the people who make the things that you love. We're going to kick it to the secret weekly now and see you next time. Bye. (laughs)